Hey everybody, welcome to Listen Money Matters, where the money matters and the points don't. My name is Matt and I'm here as always with Andrew. Andrew, how are you bud? What are you drinking today? Super early. Yeah, I was gonna say, I'm pretty good, but uh, it's like 10 a.m., so I'm not drinking anything. Not, not an alcoholic today. Not even, not even a glass of water or a coffee? You, you know, I, I, have a, I have one of those Camelbacks for my water, but uh, Laura took it with her to yoga, so, okay. so not even water. Well, I do have my Camelback, but before we get started, uh, if you have any questions about personal finance, including income, debt, budgeting, or investing, shoot us an email with your question to listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. Also, we're looking for your submissions for catchphrases at the beginning of the show. You just heard mine. It was kind of weak, but we want better ones, so send it over to t- our Twitter account, which is at moneymattersman. We really want to hear from you guys. We want to answer your questions. And we want you guys to come on the show to talk about your personal finance portfolio. And today, we have a guest on the show. His name is Jim Wang. Jim, how are you? I'm fantastic, man. How are you guys? Good. Andrew, how are you? <laughs> I'm still good, man. Good. I'm so good. Awesome. <laughs> so you guys for a loop when I asked you both. I yeah, right? So, uh, <laughs> so Jim, uh, Jim started a seven-figure personal finance blog called Bargaineering.com, and now he runs a site called Microblogger.com, where he writes about building a business through blogging, and you can check out his podcast. He's a fellow podcaster, uh, Microblogger, on iTunes, and of course, we will link all of these, all of Jim's wonderful projects in the show notes when we have uh, the show up, and uh, I guess what I want to know... Jim, is do you have any hobbies? Because we're going to talk about uh, taking your hobby or an existing idea and turning it into a moneymaker. I do. I have a couple hobbies. What are are your hobbies? Well, as you were talking before, what are you guys drinking? I'm not drinking it right now, but one of my big hobbies is scotch. Oh, see, I always forget to ask people what they're drinking, but I'm a huge scotch drinker. What, yeah, what's it's your favorite? 10 a.m. It's 10 a.m., so I'm not drinking any scotch right now. <laughs> yeah, it's a little, a little early, but, you know, it's 5 o'clock somewhere. It is. Just not here. No, just not. A little, little bit of a degenerate if I were drinking at 10 a.m. Not that I'm judging anybody that does that. No, of but, course not. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not on spring break or anything. No. Well, what's your favorite scotch? I like them all. Any, any sing, you know, I have a preference for single malt scotches because they're always interesting, and everyone has, like, a different sort of personality. Uh-huh. So I sort of like the experimentation and exploration that comes with you know drinking scotch and really it's it's true of any spirit but scotch i guess there's a bit of like a mythology yeah. around it since it's been around for so long and it there's like an art and like craft to it sort of like how you know craft beer is having a resurgence here in the united states yeah you know there's a bit of that like tinkering and you know, that's what i love about it and it's it's funny because yeah. actually i have a scotch blog and i started as a hobby like all bargaineering i started cuz well, i started because i was interested in money because I started working and I needed to figure it all out. But when I discovered the internet, how you can make money in the internet, I just decided to start sites based on things that I enjoyed to do, like traveling, grilling, scotch, uh, a couple other smaller ones. And each one of them has, I mean, they're not, they haven't done as well as bargaining. I've been very thankful, very lucky in that regard. But these are all fun little ventures that they make a little bit of money. And it, I started because it's, they're fun. Tell me about the Scotch blog for a second, because I mean that's super intriguing, and so is grilling to me, because I'm a I'm a avid griller myself. Um, but the Scotch blog, what do you do? You just taste scotches and kind of review them. Yeah, so it's it's called Scotch Addict and ScotchAddict.com, and all I basically do is just write about you know the tasting notes, talk about well, glassware, building your bar. It's, oh. it, you can do anything, really, because I mean with a hobby site. 
really with any blog, you can do whatever you want, but you try to keep it as focused as possible. So I try to pick topics that are centered around the enjoyment of scotch and whiskey. So it could include like bourbon and, right. you know, Japanese whiskey and whatever. I chose Scotch Addict. And that's actually another thing. No matter what you choose as your name, you could still do whatever you want as long as you have the confidence to do so. So I could write about bourbon on a site named Scotch Addict if I really wanted to. And sure. I do. Just because that's what I'm interested in. You know what? I don't really. I don't really care. Plus, when people come, they don't really care that they see something about bourbon and not scotch. No, I think if you're a scotch drinker, uh, bourbon's kind of another avenue that – because you, eventually you're going to run out of scotches to drink, right? Uh, so. you, you may not, but you might <laughs> run out of the budget. Yeah, right? Are often no, all that's true. Because they're, they're not imported. And you don't have a, a favorite like brand of scotch or, or – um, I know you said single malt, so I guess you're not – you don't dive into the, uh, the blended scotches. I mean, I'll, I'll probably like you. Yeah, I'll drink them all, but right. <laughs> in terms, I mean, I like Glenlivet. I like I like Speyside, uh single malts. I also like Islas, like Laphroaig, Lagavulin. Yeah, I'm not as crazy about them as as maybe some of my friends are. A little peaty for you? Uh, I don't mind it, but I just don't. <laughs> I can't drink it all night long. Yeah, Jim, I do enjoy a, in front of a fire. What about cognacs? I'm a big cognac fan. And I know it's in the brandy family. Yeah, is- so. Cognac, you may know, brandy is just, it's distilled wine, right? right? Where a scotch is distilled, in a sense, beer. Actually, no, brandy is, isn't it condensed? Like they pull, I, I don't, I'm not entirely sure, but. I think brandy's a liqueur, isn't it? Yeah, I, to be honest, I'm not entirely sure. I know that it comes from the red wine. Mm. And scotch comes from essentially beer. Yeah, barley, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I enjoy it. I just. You know, I can only my liver can only handle so much enjoyment <laughs> of different spirits, and so I think I chose scotch and, and whiskey as mine. That's cool. I mean, I, I my favorite right now is Macallan Twelve Year. Um, oh yeah, it's great. It's fifty bucks, and it just it's better than the ten year. It's better than the fifteen year, I think, and it goes down smooth. And I drink it neat. And I used to be a I, I started as a scotch and water guy, and then moved to scotch and scotch on the rocks and then move to scotch in one ice cube and then scotch neat and then sometimes i'll do it like i have this little eyedropper where i take spring water just to kind of activate and it's like super pretentious but uh it's it's fun i i do i have like a really i have a nice set of uh scotch glasses and uh i used to drink johnny walker red all the time that was like my scotch of choice and then I realized, oh there are single malts that are way better than this and and along the same price line too well, you got to start, you know, you can't just go out and get, you know, Macallan 18 no, or 12 because right. you're not going to enjoy it. It's like, I mean, it's like, like a lot of things of personal finance. Like my, my belief is that you should, you know, as a kid or in college, you have a junker type of car that mm-hmm. you can beat up and that you learn how to maintain and change the oil. And if you mess up, it's not a big deal. It's not an expensive car. And then eventually as you, you get your first full-time job, you actually get a better car and you slowly start moving up, then you can appreciate it. Right. right. Unless you've had something that's been a little rougher, you won't appreciate stuff that's good. And, yeah. You know, that's true for scotch, it's true for anything in life. So you come up with these ideas because they're just stuff that you've already have been doing and then they're you fun. just and then you just yeah. turn them into some sort of So that's the question is how do you know when it's time to go pro with something like all right, there could be somebody out there who's really into grilling, but how does that person decide that, okay, you know, I'm so good at this or I'm I'm knowledgeable enough that I can turn this into something? Like when's that breaking point for someone? I think that, that 
the turning point comes when you can see the path forward to a a situation where you can actually do it full time. So if you're, let's say, grilling and you want to do competitive grilling, mm-hmm. you might start off competing at your local contests in you know competitions on the weekends, and then you maybe as you get better and better, you might win awards. You might say, okay, I'm going to travel now to another state. Or another city to an even bigger competition to see how I fare against you know regional and national competition. Eventually, you get to the point where you're like, okay, I've gotten enough accolades, I've made enough money, I've done whatever. Where this is something where I can go pro in. Now, I don't exactly know the business model of competitive barbecue. My thought is that you open a, a store like a restaurant, and then you go to these competitions to get the awards and the accolades, and then so when people are traveling through your area, they'll come say, oh, this person won the national whatever. As a champion in pork, I want to go see what they can do with pork ribs or pork butter, whatever it is. You know, there's always a sense of you have to you cut your teeth on local competition, or you do it in whatever market in whatever business you're in. And if you see success and you start growing and you see, okay, if I were to do this full time, devote eight hours a day, fifteen hours a day, whatever it is, for the next six months, I can be somewhere else, and that could be a situation where I can do this full time. Right. You, you, you can't just be like, I hope I can do it, and I just jump in and see what happens. I don't think that is an intelligent way of approaching it. So, Jim, when you started monetizing bargaineering, like when, how did you know that it was a, a full-time gig for you? Like, what, what even made you monetize it? You know? Well, so since I was doing it on the side, and it, was, it was all experimentation. And it was, I'm guessing you had a job, like a full-time job while you started this, right? Yeah, I had a full-time job while I had bargaining for maybe the first three or four years. The first three years. I, I would quit in the third year, at the beginning of the fourth. And it, I started putting ads on it. I would talk to other people. So back, back in the day in personal finance blogging, there were maybe like 10 bloggers. And so we would all talk in you know, email, sometimes on the phone, instant message. And we would just share ideas. And someone would say, oh, I tried AdSense. So I'd throw on AdSense. Tried, these are different affiliate programs. I've tried some of those. And eventually, like, it started making money because the site was getting search traffic. And eventually, I saw a path. I was like, okay, based on the amount of traffic I got today, it's making, let's say, $1,000 a month, which is great for a hobby. Right. If I could double the traffic and assuming all else being the same, that's $2,000. I, then I took that. With my plan was to get more traffic. How do I get that? It's get more search. It's to get you know comment more on other people's sites, write more guest posts, just try to get as much traffic as possible. See where I can take it within the next couple of years. And then what I did was I took the money that it was earning since I still had a full time job, and I just put it in the bank. And I said, okay, I'm buying myself future time. And to the point where I can get two years of income, I would have bought two years of time to see if I can take this business that started as a hobby. And blow it up into something that you know eventually became bargaining that everyone knows about. Mm-hmm. So you were so, saving money that you were making on the site to buy you that time to, be, to yeah, create you that runway. The, the runway, and I was like, "This is going to be my income." I'm essentially taking this money and saying, "I'm it's paying me now." See, let's see if I can grow it. And if it doesn't work out, I can always go back to my job. It won't be the exact same job, but I was in the defense industry. I was doing software. Like it was a high demand field. I figured I could always go back. Did, hey, when you started the, the site, did you know it was going to make money? Like, did you do it for that purpose, or you just kind of were fucking around? And I was, yeah, I had no idea. I mean, I WordPress had just started. You know, back in the day, think about like Twitter today versus Twitter like a couple of years ago, and everyone's making fun about yeah. 
you know, oh, you're going to share how you ate a banana just now or how you're feeding your whatever. <laughs> like, no one cares about you sharing your updates. And then today you look at it and you're like, oh, all these sports stars, all these whatever, they're, they're, they are sharing that and people are eating it up. Well, back in the day, blogging was the, sort of the same thing. No one thought, oh, I'm going to use WordPress as a content management system. So when I was using it, I said, I'm just going to keep it as a journal. I'm going to read about things at home when I couldn't do it at work and I'm going to write it down. Oh, what, I'll just use WordPress. It'll be easier. I can look at it later. It'll be this journal that is in my own words, these complicated terms, and I won't have to relearn it again and again and again. I've already written in terms I can understand. And eventually that connected with people and you know, the site just grew and grew. I never thought that it would be a business. No one would think. You could tell people today to start a blog and 99% of people will, I mean, they won't believe that it could actually make any money. People still don't know how bargaining made. People ask me all the time, like, what? Did you just make money off advertising? And like, it just, it's still mm -hmm. a difficult concept to wrap your head around. So it was even harder, I guess, well, now. To, to that point, do you think that like anyone can just uh, create a blog, you know, add three and a half years and, and make money? Like, do you think it's a special type of person that, that can do this? I think that it's certainly possible, but I don't think everyone who does it will be able to succeed. I think if you if you can do something for three and a half years, hopefully you'll have a success. You may not have a seven-figure success. That'll be a little bit based on luck and timing and what area you decide to go into. But you could certainly make like decent money at it. Like So, for example, the Scotch Attic site, which yeah. I, I think I might write like 30 or 40 times a year. On it just for fun, just things that I, I would do. No SEO, no link building, none of the the typical things that you'd expect. And it makes a couple hundred bucks a month. And which are is, you are you getting traffic to that site? Like, how are you doing? Is it just getting picked up by search? It's search. It's a little bit of social, but it's mostly search. Okay. And it makes a couple hundred bucks. It's not a ton of money, but as a fun little hobby, like it pays for scotch. What's interesting is how you how you considered drinking a hobby. See, I drink <laughs> consistently. That's and, definitely a hobby for me. And I would, yeah, I would like, wait, <laughs> oh, I, what I'm doing is a hobby? I, okay, I never thought that that would be something I would, you know, if somebody asked me what your hobbies are, I'm like, uh, getting shit-faced on Saturday night, um, you know, whatever. Like, it's not something I would ever consider being a it's, hobby. It's not a, it's not a Bud Light. No, it's light true. <laughs> I'm really into beer bonging, yeah. yeah. It's not a beer bong enthusiast. <laughs> I'm sure you can no, start was, a website. But, but that could be a good idea, yeah. It, it could be. I mean, what are the things crazy is, beer bongs. If I was going to sit there and do research online and read about things, I think I considered it a hobby. Like I don't research Miller Lite and like, you know, shotgunning beers, but. Oh no. Scott. No. I mean, I, I think I, after years of practice, I have my technique down. Sure. Sure. So you could teach that to others, you know, up and coming high schoolers who are getting into college. Here's how to shotgun a beer the proper way and not to spill it all over the place. They don't have any money, though. They're not going to pay That's money. <laughs> That's no, one, no one buys ads on a beer shotgunning. Well, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I've never seen one. So who, what do I Mothers know? Mothers Against Drunk Driving might buy an ad on that. Oh, geez. See? Well, don't want to go there. No, Sorry, I had to take it road. down a notch. But. <laughs> yeah, that was depressing. Um, but, yeah, I, I, but you, I mean, we mentioned, I mean, it's, it's sort of a joke that this doesn't exist and it's kind of like, it's kind of weird. But maybe those weird things are what work. There are people that are interested in everything from, you know, the tamer, like that's pretty tame, shotgunning beers. There's some weird things on the internet, Butt as jogging. everyone knows. 
All right, that too. <laughs> but so, I mean, you just, the beauty of the internet is that you could start a site for like no money at all. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be your, mostly your time. You buy a domain. WordPress is free. You run it. And then if you get some traction within the first few months, awesome. Keep going with it. If you don't, try the next thing. There are plenty of things that you could try. And that's one of the things that I've learned. Like I got pretty lucky with bargaining that it was like maybe the second site that I started. And, you know, but there are plenty of people that they've done like three or four or five businesses before they hit something really, really big. And it's just the, having the patience and sort of the, the fortitude to just keep trying and saying, okay, if I fail, that's fine. I'll learn from it and I'll keep going. Yeah, so, I think you need I'm to be a curious though. Like, uh, there there might be someone who like really enjoys like cooking or, or grilling or something like that, and uh, they're like, you know, I, I I know a lot about this. I can write a blog on it. But uh, there's already like a million, you know, recipe sites or grilling sites. Like, do you, do you think that there could still be success for someone in areas like that? There is. The key thing is to differentiate, because really, what you're trying to do is you're trying to be the best fit for a smaller subset of people like you can't be the frugal griller or the you know that that sort of area has already been covered but if you have like celiac disease or if you have just something very specific you may not be able to get you know hundreds of thousands of readers within the first year but if you can get 10,000 that's a good start right well, so I- you're trying to be the best for a smaller subset and trying to be you know average for a broader set you know, as, so you, an, as an example, I, 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 you made me think of Thug Kitchen, which is a vegetarian website, right? Mm-hmm. They, a billion of those exist, but they just took it to it. They just uh, thought about it as a thug. So it's like very, it's like a lot of cursing and just in brashness and it's hilarious. And, but it's also for vegetarians. And now they just released a cookbook. They've been featured on all these uh, different talk shows throughout the country and they're making a ton of money, those guys. Yeah, because they are. They may not reach you know people that don't like swearing. Yeah, they're not gonna like it. But for the people that don't care, that find it funny, that find it entertaining, they'll and are vegetarians. Yeah, and are vegetarians. Uh, they'll they'll connect. They'll connect on a deeper level, and it, the audience might be smaller, but it's a better connection. And so that's the thing when people talk about differentiation, they they always make it sound like you just want to be different for the sake of being different. Mm-hmm. No, you want to be different so that you connect on a closer level with someone who is just as different as you are. Right, different in that same similar way. That way, you know the the sites that are out there now, they they kind of fit. They kind of not really. You want to you want to swoop in and say, listen, I'm perfect for you. And the group that you're perfect for is going to be smaller, but they're going to be more valuable in terms of customers and visitors. Do you uh, recommend, um, or not recommend? I guess, but have you ever started a business that wasn't online? No. So it's always been online. Yes. So what about the people who don't want to do a business online and make money? Is there other ways that you can think of that somebody can make money without building a website? Because, I mean, that's a skill in and of itself. Yeah. I mean, there are plenty of things that you could try to do. Like, I'm a big firm believer of Eric Reese's lean startup mentality. It's the idea of just try try to get your business or whatever you want to do out there with as little work, not as little, as with as little like infrastructure and whatever as possible. And so this is often the case with uh, any sort of offline business if I know I heard of this great example where you know you, you'll have someone they'll do like screen repair you know like you poke a hole in your screen windows it's, yeah. it's a very easy 
job to do if you have the tools and you have an understanding of what to do. And all it takes for you to start that business is to just go door to door, look for people with ripped screens and say, hey, I'll fix your screen for whatever. You don't have to start a business. You don't have to incorporate. You don't have to file, get a bank account or do all that other stuff. Just go door to door. Then you start, you could print out flyers. You could, you start off small, you cover a small geographic area, maybe buy a couple ads. And then eventually you build up, you know, this customer base. And none of this is online. You don't need a website. You know, right. in fact, a website is actually counterintuitive because you only want a very small geographic area. So you just start that off flyers, you just go in the local paper and eventually build up a business of fixing screens. And that's simple enough. Maybe you add other services to it. Yeah. And you know, I had a, that's a good idea because that's, everyone has a screen on their house. Everyone has window screens, but I had a a girlfriend, her father, you know, bought a bunch of business cards for himself and just went door to door and fixed, uh, rascal scooters. Mm. So he just, and he would, he actually, he would, uh, he would get in his in-ground pool so that he could get low enough and not have to like, you know, bend over to, to do all the fixing. And he would just fix these in his backyard and eventually turn it into a business where he started selling these scooters and he started, you know, repairing these scooters and now he has a full-time business. But he started with just a stack of business cards and just, you know, uh, perseverance and, and drive and went out there and did it. And, you know, I, there's a lot of guys in my neighborhood who, you know, go around and they're kids, but they go and ask for uh, to mow your lawn in the summer. And, I've, yeah, and, I, and I know great. a guy that built that into a, a lawn care business. Yeah, and you know, you start small and then you – let's say you decide you want to go do lawn care, right? And you, you, you build up this whole big infrastructure. Now you have sort of this sunk cost of you file this paperwork and you do all this. You bought the equipment and then you decide you don't like doing it mm-hmm. or you're not good at it or there's no need for it. Now when, when you quote-unquote fail, it hurts a lot more because you spent all this time and energy and money – Right. If you just go out there with your lawnmower and say, oh, you know, the, the kid, when he comes up to your door and he says, I'll mow your lawn for five bucks or 10 bucks or whatever it is, when you say no, he doesn't care. She doesn't care. He goes to the next house. Right. They're st- I mean, they didn't, they're not out anything. But if you build up this whole thing, now, now the failure hurts. And then right. if, if you decide that this isn't for you or the market says, sorry, we don't need what you're selling, now you tuck your tail between your legs, you go home, and the next time you won't feel as comfortable trying it again because the failure hurt as much but if it didn't hurt as much you just keep trying oh this doesn't work no one wants to fix their screen that's fine we'll go to the next thing yeah and I, I, maybe that's the same um you i mean you have multiple sites now right you're just you have microblogger uh you had bargaineering you sold bargaineering right yep and uh what how, what, how much did you sell bargaineering for and who'd you sell it to and uh, how did that happen you could look that up online but i'm not technically allowed to talk about it oh Really? So yeah. the number is available online? It is. Wow. Transparency at its best. So, so if, if I look it up and interrupt the podcast and say the number, <laughs> you can say you, whatever But you, you want. don't say it. You won't be in any legal, uh, legal trouble? I, yeah. That's I don't, interesting. I can't say it. I don't think I can say it. See, this is the thing about like legal stuff. Like You never know, and then you just err on the side. Because neither side was supposed to say it. Right. Right? Because, I mean, whenever there's the, the purchase of anything... The buyer doesn't want the sell. I would want to tell everybody in the world because it's awesome. Yeah. But the buyer doesn't want everyone in the world to know. But once you know the SEC requires certain filings, and once you file it, then it's out in public domain. But I'm so still I, bound by rules. I just I went to a do do roller dot net, um, and uh, it's it's a list of personal finance blogs that have sold for one million or more. 
And um, it looks like in January 2010, uh, Bankrate bought Bargaineering for $3 million plus 500K earnout. Wow. So that was in three years of you just working on the side while you had a job. And uh, then- it, that, that happened two years. Allegedly, that out of whatever. I <laughs> was five years into starting. It was five years old. Bargaining was five years old in January 2010. That's still like really encouraging. And but the like, thing is, you were making money three years in. Like you, you were full time earning, and yeah. then the sellout was just like the icing. Yeah. And you didn't stop. So you have microblogger. You have Scotch Addict. What's the other ones you have? Uh, no, the other ones aren't really as as big. Uh-huh. But this grill maestro, which is tiny, I haven't really kept up with it. I've gotten free grills out of it to wow. review. That's awesome. But it doesn't really earn as much money, which which honestly is fine. I prefer free grills. Actually, no, I, that's a lie. I don't prefer free grills over money. <laughs> but in the absence of money, free grills are a great sort of side benefit. You know, it's funny because, uh, you know, if you have a hobby, right? So I, I, I do home brewing, and I would love to start. So do I. A, there you go. We should start a site. If we, I, mean, <laughs> I actually wanted to start, and I did start. I bought a domain, and I, I got a, a landing page up for it. I never really got into it, but I wanted to start a uh, a homebrew website for small batch brewing, so like one-gallon brews uh, that people can do in their apartment or their condo, somewhere that they don't have to have a, a large propane tank to, to boil five gallons or even ten gallons, and so that they can experiment with the stuff. And I thought – you know what? I would just like to do this to the point where the site pays for my hobby. Like yeah. I don't need to make, you know, however much money like extra, although that would be nice, but it would just be great if, um, you know, other companies would just send me, you know, bags of barley and hops and, and all the equipment necessary for me to do this and, and, and have this hobby for free. And that, and that's easier, I think, and, and more feasible than, you know, making like a shit ton of money from it yeah and hey you may start so i always told my wife bargaineering i was like it'd be nice if it paid for one nice vacation a year and then it just blew that out of the water obviously but you know you start a site and it could the first step is it pays for itself then it pays for the hobby and then eventually who knows where it could go right depending on how much time and energy you put into it you could grow it to something that exceeds even your expectations and that would be awesome yeah, and homebrewing is fun too. Homebrewing, we have a is lot fun. of enthusiasts. Oh, there's tons out there, and I, and I and the reason I wanted to go into as a, not as a differentiator, but I'm in a space where I can't. I have an electric stove. I can't, and I don't have a propane grill or anything, so I can't, um, you know, boil these five gallon batches. Plus, I want to do some experimenting, so I thought there might be uh, a space there to, you know, just talk about doing one gallon experimental batches in a co- apartment or condo for, you know, single dudes or whatever the case. Yeah. You know, make it really specific. But so to wrap things up, I got to ask you one more question. And wait, wait, I actually want to slip in one question before you ask him that. Okay. <laughs> so, so now that we officially know that, that you're a millionaire, <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we wanted to do like a, a series, like better know a millionaire. You know, we just get to ask okay. you, like, you know, what do you do with your money? You know, how has life changed? Stuff like that. Like, would you be interested in coming on again for a segment like that? Sure. Awesome. Yeah, that, that is interesting because I think um, I, I would love to know what, what I would listen to that. Yeah. Well, not, I mean, I would, yeah, I would love to listen to the series on that because honestly, I don't know what I'm doing. 
<laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's like half a lie. I know what I'm doing, but I don't exactly know what I'm doing. You but, know, we might, that might be the common theme, too. Yeah, so I want to hear what other people are doing. Yeah, interesting. So uh, do you have just one like awesome piece of advice that you could uh, impart on our listeners? Yes. Okay. Whatever you've been thinking about doing, whether it's a side business or just starting a hobby, or just start it right now. I've talked to so many people that are like successful entrepreneurs, and very often they've had a lot of failures. A lot of things that they tried that didn't work, didn't you know meet their expectations, but they found success later on. And it was important that instead of like sitting around and thinking about, oh, I could start this or maybe do that, by doing it, by getting sort of into the trenches and and working hard, you can learn so much that if the first thing you try fails. What you'll learn out of it will benefit you the second time, third time, fourth time. So just get started right now. Just don't be afraid of falling on your face. Just keep going. Yeah, just keep going. Awesome. No, no one remembers the first thing or the second. No one remembers your failures if you succeed. So just keep at it. True. Awesome. Jim, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Um, it's, I mean, and we're definitely going to have you back on. And uh, I just want to do some plugs for you again you run a site now it's your this is like your main site right microblogger.com yep and you have a podcast yep and you're interviewing entrepreneurs and and other bloggers uh in all different kinds of niches right yep awesome and you can find it on itunes microblogger.com and you also got scotchaddict.com and grillmaestro.com yeah, grillmeister.com. <laughs> hey, if you're in the grilling, uh, and if you're in the scotch, I'm definitely checking out Scotch Addict uh, when we get off because huge fan of scotch. You ever tried Peat Monster? I have not. I've heard about it. It's crazy. It smells awful, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> Why would you drink it? Why would you drink something that smells awful? Because it's got the word monster in it, and it's peaty, and what the hell? I was figured. it good? It was... I, I liked it a lot, but I was I also... I going to say no. <laughs> I was also hammered when I had it, so... Oh, I mean, that's not a good. Yeah, I would have liked Bud Light at that point. Um, it's okay. I drink that when I'm mowing the lawn. Yeah, like a nice lawnmower beer. <laughs> yeah, I, it's good. It keeps you hydrated. I think my friend drinks Rolling Rock. <laughs> Rolling Rock when he when he when he mows the lawn, and I think that's a good. I like that. It's like that classic green bottle from Pennsylvania. Although they don't live there anymore. Anyway, so uh, Jim, thanks for hanging out with us. Microblogger.com, scotchaddict.com, growmaestro.com. You used to own Bargaineering, and we're going to have you on again. So, everyone, thanks for hanging out with us. And remember, if you have any questions you'd like us to answer and you have a uh, submission, please email us at listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. We really want to hear from you guys. And if you like the show, please, please leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen. We'd really appreciate it. Also, we always talk about free money management tool called Mint.com, and we highly recommend signing up for it. It's totally free, uh, and it's a tool that both Andrew and I use to keep track of our uh, total financial portfolio. I looked at it this morning, and I'm sure Andrew looked at it twice already today, even though it's only 1030. Um, And here's the thing. Andrew and I wrote a book on how to use this tool. Right, and you can download it at masteringmint.com, and it's a 105-page guide on using Mint. It's excellent. I've read it. <laughs> I've, I helped put it together, and it's it's definitely helped me get my finances in order. So if you if you do go to masteringmint.com, just enter the promo code podcast, and you'll get five dollars off. Last but not least, if you want to learn more about personal finance and money management, we're always writing new stuff and posting up new episodes at listenmoneymatters.com. So that's it. Jim, thanks again. Thanks, guys. 
All right, and uh, we look forward to hanging out with you in the future, and we look forward to the next episode. Andrew, take care, my friend. Later, man. Later. 